Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to the NBA Finals preview episode of the Hang Time with Algie podcast. I'm your host, Luke Halgerson, and I am joined by my close friend and basketball, Savant Lucas Armstrong. He, Lakers, NBA Finals. First topic, LeBron James against his former team and coach, the Miami Heat. Lucas, what are your thoughts on this matchup? You know, I, I think it's a pretty cool storyline. Um, you know, I I definitely think that LeBron facing a former team where he had success, won, won two championships, uh, the original big three, you know, kind of um, down in South Beach, the whole like the decision right on TV, the setup and LeBron getting there. But, you know, I think that as far as LeBron versus the Heat, there, there's not much left of the Heat when LeBron was there. Um, off the top of my head, Udonis Haslam's the only only player I can recall still on the team. Um, you know, the great Pat Riley, Spolstra's still there, but it's a brand-new system, a brand-new group, group of guys. Um, and so while it's cool to see LeBron face a, a former team, a team he's won two championships with, with Bosh and Wade, uh, you know, it's not the same Miami Heat team. So that definitely has a little different feeling uh, especially being in the bubble. Oh, no, they're way different. But with Spolstra now being LeBron's, like, former coach, went to four finals, won two of them. Pat Riley orchestrated the big three, brought them together, and then LeBron did him dirty. It didn't give him any warning, <laughs> just went back to Cleveland, wanted to, I'm coming home, just, like, didn't give Pat Riley any heads up. They drafted Shabazz Napier. They set them back a couple years. And Pat Riley with a vengeance, like, what do you think that means? Like, does this validate Spolstra as a coach now that he's won without LeBron? And how does this validate Pat Riley as, like, an executive coach? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that – well, first off, I, I don't think there's any bad blood, especially between Spolstra and LeBron. I think that those guys will keep it pretty professional, right? And like you said, did LeBron go about it the right way? Probably not. You know, I'm coming home type of deal. But at the same time – a lot of credit to Spolstra and Pat Riley for the job they've done in assembling this team. Uh, an interesting combination of a lot of young guys brought in with some guys that have experience. Um, and then the addition in this off summer with Jimmy Butler. Um, I mean, tap, tip your cap to Pat Riley for taking the chance on a, on a guy that nobody wanted. That was a cancer in the locker room and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, Pat put the team together and Spolstra's uh, got him running and, Look at us now. Here we are in the NBA Finals. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know, like the Lake, but like the Lakers team. You know, you still got LeBron, Anthony Davis. Like they're going up against a juggernaut and a team that has shown that they were the juggernaut and that they were in the regular season, shown in the playoffs. Five, 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 three straight series. Like <laughs> it's gonna be a tough, tough go. Like, but do you think Spolstra has any sort of edge? over maybe coaching LeBron, knowing his tendencies? Or do you think LeBron has, like, elevated his game to the point where, like, that's that's not even really a factor? I, I definitely think Spolstra knows where LeBron wants to go, how he wants to operate, what he wants to do. But I also think that LeBron James and Spolstra can't guard LeBron. He can only tell his players what he's going to do. He can't physically go out there and – you know, do it for them, right? And so I think that the difference between knowing what one of the greatest players ever 
is going to do versus, you know, being able to be out there and trying to stop what one of the greatest players is ever is going to do. At the same time, I think that LeBron does an incredible job of controlling games from game to game. And it's LeBron's pace. It's LeBron, how LeBron wants to play, whether it's like, hey, let's slow it down and let's, you know, let's pound it down low and get Davis on the block or, hey, let's get out and run. Let's attack the rim. I think the Lakers do a tremendous job of attacking the rim. And, and that's going to be, you know, one of the uh, things the Heat are going to have to really lock in on is keeping the Lakers out of the paint and off the free throw line because I don't think Denver did a great job of that. But, you know, you got to give Spolster credit for sure. I mean, he's definitely got the advantage over Frank Vogel. Um, he's a great coach. I think one of the top five in the league, and I'm not going to sit here and give you my top five and argue back and forth, but Spolstra is a great mind. He makes good game-to-game -game adjustments. He makes great in-game adjustments. Um, and and it, it, it's going to take a collective team effort, I think, to take down LeBron and crew. Uh, like you said, they've been a juggernaut, 5-5-5. Five, five, five. Uh, and had they shown up in the first two game ones, it might have been 4-0-4-0. Oh, oh. uh, the first two series, they were looked like they were half asleep, you know, getting back late. But, um, yeah, it, it should be a battle, I think. A, a, good, a good team, ball with the heat that like to share the rock and, you know, multiple guys can hurt you versus a team that's got LeBron and AD. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, those two combined this year have been outstanding. Like you said, regular season playoffs, it doesn't matter. That one, two punch, uh, that's pretty tough. But like the heat have a lot of bodies to throw at LeBron. Like Jimmy Butler has guarded LeBron in the past. Jay Crowder has <laughs> been on LeBron's team, has guarded against LeBron, I feel like, in every other series in the playoffs. He gets all up, like, what have they gone? Five of the last six finals they went up against each other? Like, the Heat have bodies to throw at LeBron. But like you said, like, the Heat's half-court offense is the best in the league. Yeah. Like, LeBron, like you said, LeBron controls the game. It's like, with 12 seconds left on the shot clock, LeBron backs it out. He doesn't rush. There's no, like, forced passes or anything. It's literally, like, it goes at his pace, his rhythm, or, like, oh, we're going to dump it down to Davis. And Davis is going to go for it. Like, that's why I feel like it's going to be too much for the Heat to overcome. So with that, like, what adjustments do both of these teams have to make to go against each other? Because, like, they kind of play, you know, the same style. Like, the Heat dump it down to Bam. They run a lot of pick and roll. The Lakers do that as well. Like, they spread the yeah. ball out. They have great floor spacing each team. Like, I would say the Heat are better shooting than the Lakers. LeBron and AD, Jeteri. So what adjustments have to be made by both teams? Yeah, I, I think first off, the real question when I, look at, when I look at the matchups is, can the Heat play big? Whether that's they go to Kelly Olynyk, whether they go to, they go to Miles Leonard, someone who hasn't played at all in the playoffs, right? But I just think that Lakers are so big, especially when they go Dwight, AD, and LeBron. And regardless of you can go a combination of Iguodala, Butler, Crowder, Bam, there there's no way those three guys are keeping the Lakers' big three off the boards. And I think the Lakers are one of the best rebounding teams in the league. And for that reason right there, um, between AD, LeBron, you know, and then the combination of Dwight and JaVale, uh, Coach, that's a, that's a nightmare of a matchup for me, you know, down low. And I think that on the opposite end of that is 
you know, what adjustments are the Lakers going to have to make? Well, I think the Lakers are going to have to get complete buy-in from their perimeter defense. I think that you let guys like Duncan Robinson, Gordon Dragic, you know, even Iguodala, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero. I mean, the walking bucket, quote unquote, the walking bucket, you know, uh, you can let those guys get hot. Turn really quick. Um, you're in the bubble. There's no road games. There's no home games. There's no fans. And I think uh, I think that's a that's a definitely a, a thing the Lakers are going to have to key in on is their perimeter defense. And you know it's going to have to be a collective buy-in from a, a bunch of guys because they they like to fire in a lot of different guards in there between Rondo, KCP, Danny Green, Caruso. I mean, it would be scary to think what this team would look like with a healthy Avery Bradley, right? I mean, their best perimeter defender, but that point aside, he's not there. They're going to have to get a buy-in from, you know, four or five of those guys to, to do a good job on, on, on those heat players and not let them get hot from the perimeter. Cause I agree. They're a better shooting team. than The Lakers are. But like the size is the difference maker. Like you said, like that LeBron, like Vogel, like where he pulled that one out of his ass, starting Dwight Howard over JaVel McGee after all year, Dwight just doing his role. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're going to start and you're going to go bother Jokic, And he did a great job. Yeah. That's why I feel like Dwight knows his role. And he draws fouls from the all-stars like Bam and Abayo. And then, like, who Bam is going to have to guard between Anthony Davis or Dwight is going to give him problems. Like, Dwight isn't this, definitely not the score that AD is. But, like, that matchup is just <laughs> – Bam's in trouble. And they have no sides. Like, Kelly Olenek is going to guard Anthony Davis. Like, Duncan Robinson – like, do we, <laughs> like, it could be a long night. And I know the Heat do have their zone that will try and counter that. But, like, LeBron is the smartest player. Like, he will make a difference when it comes to all of these adjustments. Like, like you said, if they showed up in game one of each series, they could have swept. But LeBron always has that feel-out game. Like, he hasn't gone against the zone in a while. So he might just be like, game one, like, we're going to see what this is. And you know he tests his spots. He does, it's not ultra-aggressive. Kind of lets AD do the bulk of the work and to see what this Heat team is all about. But, like, I just think LeBron is just the true orchestrator to, like, the team will adjust as he adjusts. But Vogel did a nice job with adding Dwight. And yeah. then with the Heat, I just – zone, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be able – because the Lakers can shoot mid-range. That's how you beat the zone. Yeah. Like, the Celtics figured it out after a while because they could make mid-range shots. What the Lakers do best is mid-range shots. Like, LeBron, bread and butter. AD, bread and butter is the little post-jump, oh, pull it. Or back you down, turn around, dump it. It's like that is their game. So the zone might not be as effective as the, I think it is. How effective do you think the zone will be? I don't think it will be as effective as it was against the Celtics. And strictly based on the fact that you have two guys in LeBron and AD that regardless of who you put at the high post, they're going to be able to pick apart that zone should the ball be able to get to the middle. Um, even if they go big and they, you know, they start Dwight, which I think they will, because, you know, back to your Jokic point, Dwight caused havoc for Jokic. He's just much more quicker laterally up and down than JaVale McGee was. And like you said, he's great at drawing fouls. And I think that's one of the things that the Heat are going to have to be cautious of, you know, with putting Bam on Dwight. It's like, oh, well, we don't want to start Bam on 
AD because we don't want him to get in foul trouble. Well, in my opinion, he's got a better chance of getting in foul trouble guarding Dwight than he does guarding AD. But, you know, back to the zone, being a former player, basketball coach, the best way to attack the zone is to get the ball in the middle of the zone, and that's how the zone breaks down. And I, I expect to see a lot of LeBron and a lot of AD at the high post if Miami does play that matchup zone, which is interesting because if you see it, usually around the 10-second mark on the shot clock, then they'll switch it, like, go to a little bit of a hybrid man, and they're trying to really just match up from, you know, what we call black in the last 10 seconds of the shot clock, black, no fouls, that type of deal. And so I think if the Lakers are effective getting the ball into the zone early on, that's going to open up a short corner. That's going to open up some open threes. LeBron or AD are going to be able to attack the basket, hopefully. You know, no one's in front of them. You get those two guys going downhill, watch out. So, you know, I, I think Miami's zone, matchup zone is good, but I think I think the Lakers will will be able to carve it up a little better than the Celtics did. So, like, with certain matchups, do you think that he will be forced to go man? And like, how do you think? Like, what really? Like, who is Bam Adebayo going to guard, or who's going to guard AD in this series? Like, I understand Jimmy Butler's a decent defender. Iguodala is hard at him. Jay Crowder, like, all these guys have. But like, I feel like LeBron is too superior. They have no one who can throw at him. And like, the Lakers match up well with Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson because they have two of the exact same players: Danny Green and KCP. Like, they play the same role. Yeah, Hero and Robinson probably are the better shooters as of this moment in time. But, like, the Lakers, like, they at least try hard. And, like, Crusoe, Rondo, like, I feel like the Heat, when it comes to this series, Lakers have more depth. So that's why I feel like the Lakers can throw out a different line. Like, the Heat are limited down low. Like, do you want Haslam going to see minutes in this series? No. 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 Like, I just don't see how the matchups for the Heat in any way. Yeah. What about you? Do you think any other than Drogic, Goron, Goron has been playing really well, yeah. and I feel like that might be the only advantage. But who's guarding him? KCP will give him problems. LeBron, if he's already shown he can be a stopper, like, where really does, does Miami have any advantage in this series whatsoever when it comes to the players on the floor? I think the greatest advantage Miami has is their wing defenders with Crowder, Jimmy Butler, Iguodala. You know, I don't think that the Lakers have the same depth on the wing, you know, being able to guard. But that's not to say that those three guys can stop LeBron, AD, and Dwight or JaVale. Uh, and like you, like you brought up, that's the real problem is how the lack of height and the lack of size for the Heat really play a role in the Lakers wanting to play big. Because we saw last series, the big lineup against Denver works really well, you know, with Jokic and Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap. I mean, Paul Millsap and, and Jeremy Grant, you know, are basically a poor man's walk-in, you know, Jay Crowder and Jimmy Butler. Honestly, the Heat don't have enough size, and I think that's going to be the biggest storyline. You know, now I could be wrong, but isn't a team like the Warriors where you really just got to, you know, have great perimeter defense. Can the Heat shoot it? Yeah. But this isn't Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, KD. You know, those we're not talking about those types of shooters. Um, much respect to Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Goran Dragic. Like you said, Goran's been playing really well in the bubble, especially here in the last few series. But I think the Lakers' 
size and the Lakers' power at the rim will just end up being too much. Yeah, like I just feel like they have way too much depth with their team. Like they're just, they, and they, they're the bigger team. I feel like the size is going to be the main issue in this series that we'll see with this Heat team. Now, if they just shoot lights out, then it just comes down to the wing defenders, like you said. But like, <laughs> do we like? So with that, like X factors, like the matchups. We know what the matchups are going to be, but like, so we know LeBron. Like, of course, he's going to have the most impact on the series, obviously. Anthony Davis, too. But who for each team? Like, give me three or four guys on each team that, like, will be the true, like, difference maker you think in this series for each team. Yeah, I mean, I'll start, I'll start with the Heat. I think, first off, Kelly Olynyk. Like, are they going to trust Kelly Olynyk to play and to be able to guard, whether it's AD or Dwight or JaVale? And two, can Kelly Olenek stretch the floor and make threes for them? I think that's the number one question because if the Heat are going to have any chance, I think they're going to have to turn to Kelly Olenek and say, hey, we need you to give us, you know, 12, 6, and 4. And if he can't give them that, then they're in trouble. So I think that's the biggest X factor on the Heat side of things. I think the next biggest X factor for the Heat is Igodala. Can Iguodala cause fits for LeBron? We saw him do it with the Warriors, you know, when LeBron was with the Cavs. And granted, he's a few years older. Well, guess what? So is LeBron. Uh, now, that's not to say that LeBron is obviously a much better athlete than Iguodala, so he probably doesn't age as the same. But Iguodala has that in the back of LeBron's mind. There's no doubt about it. LeBron remembers all of the fits Iggy gave him when he played for the Warriors. And I think that'll be the interesting matchup is you have a guy in Iguodala who hasn't played a ton of minutes in the playoffs. You know, he's played mid-20s, high-20s. You know, in a good game, you might see low 30s. You know, are they going to have to rely on Iguodala a little bit more to guard LeBron, to take some of that pressure off of Jimmy Butler? Because in, all, in, my, in my mind, in all honesty, Jimmy Butler is too small to guard LeBron for 35 minutes, uh, zone or no zone. Um, but I think the third big, big X factor for the Heat has got to be Spolstra. And I know he's not a player, but back to the coaching matchup. Can he outcoach Frank Vogel? Can he mastermind and find the Heat? You know, can, can Spolstra sneak one or two wins away for the Heat? You know, just in coaching alone. And I think that we've seen that in other sports. You, you look at the Patriots, for an example, Bill Belichick. There's times when the Patriots, you know, didn't play as well as the team they played against, but yet they pulled out the win because Belichick, outcoach the guy on the other sideline. So can Spolstra do that to Vogel? I think he can. Um, looking at the Lakers X factors, I, I think the be biggest one is playoff Rondo. You know, what type of, what type of Rondo are we going to get? Are we going to get a Rondo that's, you know, carving them up, making these great passes, taking care of the ball, grabbing six, seven rebounds a game, you know, knocking down a couple jumpers here and there when he's open, or are we going to get a Rondo that's careless with the ball, you know, can't keep a man in front of them, uh, can't throw a pee in the ocean. Uh, I mean, that's the biggest one I see for the Lakers is because, you know, as, as we both know, they lack strong point guard play with no Avery Bradley. Uh, you know, LeBron is the point most of the time. And so, you know, can, can Rondo bring that playoff mentality that he has in the past? I think that's the biggest one to be unseen. And the second one, I think, 
is is the D- Dwight. How effective can Dwight be? You know, can he cause havoc for Bam? Can he get his 10 rebounds and his eight points? You know, can he, you know, cause the Heat bigs to pick up stupid fouls? Um, Dwight's a big X factor, and, and I believe that the Lakers will roll with Dwight. And like you said, they feel bad for JaVale because JaVale's been the guy all year. But, you know, when the playoffs come, baby, hand and right now Dwight's got that and and Dwight's you know more active defensively and has been able to shut down Jokic and I think that he'll give Bam fits and and Bam's a great player but I I just think that the Lakers are going to roll with Dwight and so Dwight you know he's going to be an x-factor him and Rondo for sure. Yeah so with the Lakers I agree 100% Dwight Howard Rajon Rondo like the veterans it's like we've seen Rondo the playoff Rondo, you're right. Like, who are we getting? Like, when Rondo, honestly, when he's on the floor and he shoots, I'm like, I remember Celtics Rondo. And I'm like, no, don't shoot. And then he makes it. And I'm like, keep shooting, Rondo. Yeah. Like, keep shooting. And with Dwight, like, he's just energizer bunny right now. Catching lobs, playing defense, just like, he's completely bought into the role. And like, yeah. I think Vogel is, like, rewarding him for, like, completely buying into what, like, He's supposed to do like he has carried no ego and like he Dwight Howard has on a lot of criticism as far as like players go like he yes he left Orlando poorly but then he played for the Lakers with with Kobe and like it didn't work and it was like okay and then he go he just bounced from everywhere Houston Charlotte Washington just like plagued with injuries and now he's on this Lakers team, completely changed man, just, like, goes about his business, gets it done. I think he's a huge impact, and, like, I think Vogel has kept him in check. Because I know you saw where he was, like, waving bye-bye to the Nuggets. And, like, Vogel, like, talked to him in person and was like, no, don't do that. So, like, Dwight, if he can get rid of the antics and everything and just, like, keep his head down and just go, like, he's, for sure, I think, the biggest difference maker for the Lakers. It just comes to bang specifically and then also Rondo of course but another big expect Danny Green this man needs to make shots like Danny Green <laughs> when have you seen Danny Green make a three yeah. it, it, they don't come very often but, yeah. but I feel like this is the series like, he knows what he's going up against with two young guns who can shoot Tyler Hero Duncan Robinson like he doesn't want to go down for like two younger guys I feel like Danny Green has to step up in this series as well. And then the fourth guy for the Lakers, Kuzma. Like, everyone wants to talk about a third score for the Lakers. I don't think they need it. They just need, like, guys like Kuzma, Green, Howard. Give me 10. Give me 10, 12 points. That's all you need to contribute. If you can chip in 15, if you're Dwight can give me a double-double, like, Thank you. If you're Danny Green, if you can just make three or four shots, like that's all you need because LeBron and AD are going to get theirs. That's why I feel like the X factor with the Lakers, you can put it to anyone. You just need guys to make shots. That's been the difference with LeBron's teams. Make or miss because he's going to make the right play. He needs guys to make shots just like everyone. So Lakers, I just feel like those four guys need to step up. Those four guys need to step up because I feel like Pope already does his thing. Like, Pope is just – he's going to go out there, shoot, play his defense, make a couple of shots. The other guys are so inconsistent. It's like, what are we getting out of here? So, what can they show me? But then the Heat, 
I think Drogic is the biggest, like, he's their leading scorer for the Heat. Like, he's been playing out of his mind. I feel like he's, he could be the difference maker. Like, some of the shots he was making against the Celtics or those rainbow threes, I'm just like, he shoots late shot clock prayer, and this is nothing but net from Goron. I, I can't believe it every time I watch him play. Because, like, I remember Suns. Like, where, where has he been? Where has he been putting up 20 in the playoffs now? And so I think he'll be huge. And, like, point guard, who's guarding him? KCP? Like, it's a – it's going to be interesting to see. I think he's going to have a real impact on the series. Another guy, like you said, Iguodala. I got to agree with you. Like, can he still guard LeBron? Like, you know Jimmy Butler's going to be the main guy. But, like, can Iguodala then come on when Butler needs rest to guard LeBron? Because, like, LeBron's going to go. Like, eventually guys need breaks. So, like, what can Iguodala do at this stage? And then I got to say the two three-point shooters. What are we going to get from Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson? Like, this has come out of nowhere. Like, these two are the reason I haven't believed in the Heat because they're young. Like, this league has shown me youth does not win. Inexperience does not win championships, Lucas. And yet these two guys are – Tyler Hero's averaging 20 in the conference finals. Duncan Robinson is already, like, people are already anointing him as, like, oh, best shooter in the league. What happened to Curry? Like, it's Duncan Robinson's show. Like, it's just this Heat team. It's just these two have changed the game for this team. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you mean of this Heat team with that? Like, all of these guys, did you think the Miami Heat would be in it at this point? You know – it's funny you say that because, and you may not believe me, but my bracket that I picked pre, pre the playoffs starting in the bubble, I have the Heat in the finals. And I'll tell you why. They are a perfect bubble team. They have the combination of the experienced veterans in the locker room, but they also have great youth. They don't have any road games. There's no travel. They had to go to Toronto, play Toronto in Toronto, series would have been completely different but instead they're playing in an arena with no fans they're sleeping in the hotel that's a five-minute bus ride away are a perfect bubble team and so yes I'm not surprised they are there you know have they got great performances from Duncan and Hero sure they have but I think regardless of those performances the Heat plays such good team basketball that this is the type of team, if you don't have the LeBron James of the world and the Anthony Davises of the world, that you need to win in a, in a bubble format because they can rely on so many different guys to get them a bucket. Dragic, Butler, Hero, Robinson, Bam. I mean, any of those guys could be the leading scorer at the end of the game. When you look at the Lakers – you can pick two guys that are going to be the leading scorer every game. It's either going to be AD and it's going to be LeBron. And so does that make it tougher for teams to guard in a series? Of course, because how do you game plan? How do you prep? What's your philosophy? Okay, Hero just went for 25. Okay, next game now, boom, Butler hits you for 32. And the next game, oh, Bam goes for 29. You know, you can't, you can't game plan for that. There's no, there's no game plan where you say, let's stop all five of these guys got five professionals on the floor and I just think the heat have been the bubble has been a perfect storm for the heat 
No bubble. Out in the second round. The bubble. I liked them from the start, and I'm glad I picked them because now I look like a real smart man. Damn, you picked them to make the finals against the Lakers, too. And one better, I had the Celtics playing the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Dang, that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome getting that close, man. Like, I had the, I had the Lakers against the Raptors. The Raptors were, you know, like, I, I guess I bought in too early. Like, I didn't think the Celtics – we're going to be that good against them. Like Tatum just went off, but yeah, you know, like the heat, I agree with you. The bubble, I think is the reason they're here. Like they were a bad team on the road. Like think about, like you said, having to go to the garden of Boston, having maybe to go to Toronto, having to go to Milwaukee. I will say though, they definitely, I think they would have beat the Pacers regardless of having yes. to go to Indiana because they were just a better team. Now, against Milwaukee, I do think they would have given them problems, even if they didn't have to go on the road. Because, like, they're still – like, they matched up well. Because, like, it's just Giannis and Middleton. And, like, yeah, guys will play better at home. But when those guys have to go to Miami, like, Bledsoe's going to disappear, you know. So they had good matchups. Like, <laughs> but, but I got to agree. Yeah, that's they the just, thing. They were not a good – but, like, the bubble, perfect scenario. And, like you said, veterans, you know – they had a nice, like you said, the core of Iguodala, Butler, like Jay Crowder. Drogic is a veteran in the league. Like, like Udonis, I think, is a good locker room guy for them to have. Like, they have a lot of guys with postseason championship experience. So it's like, and then they got the young guys who are just like, they don't know anybody. Like, this is literally they're going to the park and, like, playing basketball. Like, you know, the other guys, Lakers, like, they've been doing it for a long time. Whereas, like, the young guys for the Heat, like, Bam, how old is he? 23. Tyler Hero's 20. Duncan Robinson's 22. Like, they're out there just, like, it's just another day playing basketball for them. They don't know what pressure is because they've never faced it to this point, and now they're in the NBA Finals. Like, the bubble was the perfect storm. Well, there's no doubt about that. And and like you said, even with Milwaukee, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't really bring them up initially because – you know, is Milwaukee a tough place to play in? Sure, it's the NBA playoffs. There's going to be a great atmosphere. But I was never huge on Milwaukee anyways. I think they were significantly overrated. I think that when you get into a playoff series and you have your best player and he's one-dimensional and he can only do one thing, I think that really hurts you. Um, and, and the supporting cast, I wasn't sold on. But like you said, the bubble, a perfect match. To those guys, it feels like an AAU tournament, right? They're just out there. Hey, we got another game today. We're heading to the bubble. We're going to play. You know, let's roll out the balls and let's have fun. There's no pressure. There's no way that we got to get on the plane. We got to travel. You know, we're flying overnight. You know, you got a rowdy crowd going into the garden or if they would have had to gone into Toronto, had Toronto beat Boston. Um, you know, there's no going now flying across the country to Staples Center. You know, so I think that the Heat have benefited the most from the bubble, for sure, by, by, by all means. Do I think the Lakers would, would have been in this position, bubble or no bubble? Yes. I think the Lakers truly would have made the finals, um, even if they would have had to face the Clippers. But had the Miami Heat been in the finals, had there been no bubble? Absolutely not. So the big one of the, the storyline is bubble, a perfect match.
No, I agree. Like Lakers, I feel like it's different because of that. Like LeBron, this is, he's been there done like nine finals in ten years, and the one year he missed, it was his first significant injury ever. Like this is just another. Like LeBron, the bubble had no effect, and that's why I think the Lakers were so successful in the West compared to the Clippers. Because like the Clippers, they didn't have any chemistry. LeBron has already shown he can put pieces together around him and just be like, we're on it. Like, give me whoever I can, I will get us there. But I need help winning this thing. That's why I feel like the bubble had no effect. I do think maybe the series would have been more competitive. Like, maybe if they had to travel to Portland playing in front of them, Timmy Lillard's feeling the crowd, they might get one. Houston, same thing. Harden might go off. Russell Westbrook might have a big game. And you don't worry. You know, Jokic, they could go off at home. But, like, with the bubble, like, like Braun's going to take care of business no matter where he is. Yeah. So I feel like the bubble didn't have nowhere near the same effect that it did with Miami. Like, this benefited Miami. I don't think it made any bit of difference for this Lakers team. They just have too much. Especially when you still have LeBron and I would say seventh best player in the world in Anthony Davis. Like, if you have that, and that Sean, what do you think of that? Like, the Lakers have the recipe for championship success. Think about it. All the way back in the day, Julius Irving had Moses Malone. Magic had Kareem. Kobe had Shaq. Like, you could say Larry Bird had Kevin McHale if you want to. Like, big, like, the wing post matchup is like if you have that tandem like you're destined to win a championship like do you think it'll be too much for the heat to overcome like those two i think it will be too much for them to overcome and and i think that you make a good point in the whole you know wing post tandem right lebron and ad um it's funny how you know we're we're a year later now and last year all the talk was about you know, the three ball, right? Everyone's living by the three ball, three ball this, three ball that. You know, the only way to win is you got to be able to shoot the three. And now you have a team here like the Lakers who don't rely on the three ball, who rely on getting to the rim, you know, getting their bigs touches, you know, getting out in transition and running. And they can win the game even if they don't shoot the ball well from the three-point line. Now, if they shoot the ball well from the three-point line, you have no chance. I mean, no chance. But – with that being said, the LeBron AD tandem has been amazing, impossible to stop. I mean, those guys go for 30 a night in their sleep. And I think that LeBron is going to be so motivated in this series to not only win himself another championship and take that next step in the talk, but also, hey, I did it with a young guy who doesn't have this finals experience. This is his first time ever getting to the finals. And so I think that that's going to, that's going to mean a lot to LeBron and, and you're going to see a, a determined man. Yeah. Like, but so do you think that they should be favored by this much? Like they are huge favorites. Like, what are they like? 400, 410, like minus 410, like the heat to start the playoff 75 to one odds. Like should the Lakers be favored by this much? Like, are they truly that much better? Cause I have Lakers, six. I don't know about you, but like I feel like the Lakers in six, just because I feel like the Heat will have games where guys will go off. But like, I'm, I'm a little worried. And I seem to be the only one who's worried because everyone just seems to be like, right, Lakers are going to steam. Like, am I getting caught up in being too worried about this Heat team? 
and what they've done, or like, should I be, should I be this confident in LeBron and AD and being the best handler? The the Lakers being minus four ten is a big time favorite. Do I think it's wrong? Absolutely not. I think that if I was a betting man and I had a bunch of extra cash laying around, that that minus four ten number would not scare me away to go lay the house on the on the Lake Show. You know, do I think that it'll be easy? No, I don't think it'll be easy. But I do think at the end of the day, the Lakers have too much. And I think the Heat will have to put together, you know, five to six really good games in order just to win the series. Um, Because they might have a good game and it still might not be enough one night. I think that's how good this Lakers team can be with LeBron's experience and the talent level that AD brings along with that. Um, I think that any time when you have a team that has the two best players in the series, by far, I think those two, we could both agree that those two players are the best players in the series. No questions asked. I think that says a lot and being too much. And I got Lakers in five, because why not? That's what it's been the first three times. And see, I want to go with that. I want to go with that. But, like, all year, I have been preaching to myself, Lakers to six, Lakers to six. And I expect it. In the Portland series, I expected it. I was like, okay, when's Damian Lillard going to get hot for a game? Okay, they win in five. All right. Same thing with the Rockets series. I was like, where's Harden? He's going to blow up one game. I'm five again. It's just like, this Lakers team honestly keeps overachieving from what I think how good they should be. Now, I do, no matter what, I think they would be in any. And I agree with you. I think they would have eaten the Clippers. That's just, I think that's for various reasons. You know, Clippers didn't have the cohesion. Clippers, you know, Doc Rivers is, I think he's a super overrated coach. You know, Kawhi Leonard missed a lot of time. And, you know, they just didn't have the cohesion. And, like, and the matchups and just, like, Doc Rivers was out coach against the Mavericks and the Nuggets. Like, easily. Like, Carlisle outcoached him. Malone outcoached him. So, like, with that, and, like, the Lakers being the team who they beat, like, do you really think – people are saying this is the easiest path to the Lakers. Do you think the Lakers did have an easy path? Or, like, are they, like I said, are they this good? Like, they showed they were the number one seed. Like, they, they proved everything. LeBron, second in MVP voting. Anthony Davis, second in defensive player of the year. Best hand, we know this. Like, did, did they have an easy path, or did they just do what a championship team is supposed to do? I think it's a combination of both. I think, first and foremost, they did what a championship team is supposed to do because they played a Portland team that might be one of the best eight seeds that I've seen in the last decade. Um, and, and a Portland team that snuck into the playoffs, right? So – a team that was having to win every game they played in the bubble just to give themselves a shot. But that just goes to show you that after that game one letdown that the Lakers had, they were determined and that championship-esque feeling, they were able to roll Portland out four games and it was over in five. Much, you know, even I was a culprit of that. I thought it was going to go seven, six or seven. I said, well, there's no way this Lakers team can win four in a row against this Portland team. Uh, Houston wasn't ever really worried about, you know, I think that path 
it is what it is. And I think they got a little bit lucky and they had to play Denver. I thought they matched up a lot better against Denver than they would have the Clippers, even given the Clippers, you know, lack of chemistry. I think that that matchup would have been a lot tougher for the Lakers just based on the matchups alone. And so that the facing the Nuggets in the in the conference finals was, you know, definitely an easier path, in my opinion. But at the same time, the Lakers took care of business each of the series. They got it done in five, no stress. And, you know, here we are. They've been resting for three or four days, and I think they'll be ready to roll come tomorrow night. Yeah, like I really think like – I feel like LeBron at this point has accepted his career. It's a win championship or like I get the criticism and hate. And that's why I feel like you saw the picture of him just sitting – another conference championship like he is his first one in the western conference maybe you thought he would be like all right i did it but he was like no like it, this is not over like we still have like a ways to go we got four games to win so i feel like at this point he's just out for next like i feel like that like i don't think and that's why no one's stopping him like he's shown best player in the world that's why the clippers got bounced you know Kawhi's not there that's why Giannis got bounced like lebron just showed that he was the most dominant player in the world, that he's the best player in the world. Yes, he has another great player playing alongside him, but every every other player has someone like that in the league. Kawhi has Paul George. James Harden has Russell Westbrook. You know, you can't say that with Lillard, but, like, the Lakers have just been that much better than everyone where I don't think it would have been a problem. Like, they're just – at this point, I think they're too good to lose. I, I agree with you. I, I'm for you in favoring the Heat in the Lakers so much, but like something just tells me about this Heat team. Like, like Spolster's got something up his sleeve. No, like Jimmy Butler is like all business, like no play. Like, what? Why am I scared? Why should I be worried? Of what could be any cause for concern to think that the Heat have any chance to beat the Lakers? I mean. There should be no cause for concern, but if there was to be one, it would be that Spolstra can find something that makes it tough for the Lakers to be able to get out in transition and get those points. Because I think that if the Lakers can rebound, miss shots, cause turnovers, zone, no zone, it's not going to matter. The, the, the Lakers are, are, are going to dominate the transition points. But at the same time, I think that LeBron is going to be so determined to get another one that, like you said, when you're one of the greatest players in the world, there's not much that's going to be able to contain that anyways, regardless of whatever game plan the genius comes up with. You know, Spolstra, he's one of the best at that, and we talked about that earlier. But Spolstra can't be on the floor executing the game plan for his players. He can only – try to put them in the right spots and tell them what to do. It's a whole different story when they have to go out there and execute it themselves. And I gave the Heat all the credit in the world. I think they have a great makeup. They play great team basketball, like you said. They play the best team basketball out of anybody. At the end of the day, I don't think they have enough to be able to stop LeBron and AD. And that's why I don't think any of this is going to matter. No, I agree with you. I feel like even with what Spolstra would have brought, like the Lakers have – eight coaches in their locker room, not just based on assistants, but players. Like LeBron, he might be the smartest player ever. Rondo is definitely a player coach out there on the floor. Like they have a lot of smart guys. I think Frank Vogel, you know, 
he's a smart coach. Jason Kidd, Hall of Fame point guard, he knows what he's doing. Like, the Lakers just too many minds to whatever the Heat brought him. I think the Lakers will have a counter. They had a counter for every team they played. Everyone tried to nitpick every series on how the Lakers could fail. And it's like every single one was shut down. It was like, well, how are they going to guard Lillard? They have no perimeter defenders. And same with Harden. Same with Merton. It's like ACP, Rondo, Green stepped up. Like, I feel like they just have too many bodies, too much depth. Like the Lakers are going to be too much to overcome. I just feel like they have more talent. Like, I, again, Rondo's going to be the difference maker in my opinion. Like playoff Rondo is going to do it. But with LeBron led LeBron James, like what does this mean for his legacy? Ten finals. He's been the finals ten times. He has three championships, going for number four. Do you think, first, does this close the late? Is this the last championship LeBron could win, or do you think he'll keep going? And then, like, what does this mean for his legacy, win or lose? Like, what would happen? Give me both scenarios. If they win, what does it mean for LeBron? If they lose, what do you think? I'll give you my unbiased opinion. Knowing LeBron's history, I think if he loses, it's the same old story. LeBron can't get it done. LeBron can't get it done. He gets to the finals. He can't win. You know, he doesn't have any success. I don't think that changes. So if he loses, I think it stays status quo. I think if he wins, that says a lot, you know, that he can win with a guy in his first year being on the team in AD and that, that duo of the combination of their two games and how that's flown a little bit. Um, LeBron's not the easiest to play with, but LeBron does so many things so well that he can easily adapt around great players. And if and when the Lakers get it done, I think it'll say a lot more for LeBron's legacy, having won a fourth championship with a third different franchise. And do I think he's done? No, I don't think he's done. I think he can truly win five. I think he can get one more after this. You know, can he get six? I don't want to start going there yet because he hasn't even gotten four. But once he gets four, I still feel that he has enough in the tank along with a young AD, if they can keep the Bradley around and the Rondos around and the Caruso's and the KCP's, you know, could they make a run at a fifth one? Sure. LeBron could, but what this will say for his legacy, if he can win number four, I think it means a lot. And I think that it will silence some of the haters. There will always be those haters as there is with any great superstar. Michael Jordan had his haters. Kobe Bryant had his haters. Larry Bird had his haters. There's going to be the haters, but I think it'll silence those haters because it'll be impressive if you can win, you know, four championships with three different teams, especially given this year and everything that these teams have been through. You know, people say, oh, it's been easier. No, 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 no. It's been harder. They've had a layoff for months and the guy's in his 17th, 18th year. Can you imagine having to take a break and say, nope, you know, no team basketball activities. And I know that there's been some talk about the Lakers. They were still together practicing during COVID and, you know, at someone's house illegally, uh, you know, unauthorized team workouts. But regardless, the guy had to take a three-month break in the middle of his career, 18th year, 19th year in. And what that means is it's going to mean a lot for his legacy, in my opinion. Yeah, like, you know, he has – I think with the championship, if he wins, like, it's just more validation on, like, 
greatest player of all time. I think he's in the argument for sure. I, I will say I think LeBron's the best player ever. I'm willing to I say you, it. I know you I love LeBron. So. I know you love LeBron, Luke. You love LeBron. But I yes, it's not it's it's easily stated, you know, I am a LeBron supporter. But like even so, okay, even if you don't think he's the greatest ever, this at least has to easily put him like, okay. He's up there with Michael, Kareem, like everyone wants it, like Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, they're all like, eh, he's like ten. Eh, Kobe's better. Like they say like guys are better when it's just like, are they though? So I feel like four puts him no matter what, top five. For every single person out there, top five. And I, it's only more valid, you know, more material for me to, you know, stake his claim at, at, on the top of the mountain. But, like, if he loses, I will say this, he can't be in the GOAT conversation now. I will I, no I longer consider him. I will, I'm willing to say if he loses, I will no longer consider him the best basketball player ever. Well, that's fair. I'm glad we got this recorded so we can go back on this if the Lakers were to lose. But at the same time, I think that if he can truly do win his fourth championship, that he does belong in that top five of greatest of all times. And, and people need to give him the benefit of the doubt and realizing how tough to accomplish what he's accomplished, especially given this season. You know, everyone will always have their opinions on, well, who's the best player of all time? And, and, and that's a never-ending argument. But if LeBron can get it done, I think this changes his legacy for the better and puts him in that top five category of the all-time greatest players. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's just like that. He, I think he's already, like, there. But it's just with what he did now. And I think, like I said, asked you the question earlier, championship window, I don't think it's over. Like, the championship window is not going anywhere with LeBron James because – he still has Anthony Davis, but he still is the athlete that he is. He hasn't gone anywhere athletically. He, you know, he's, he doesn't have the – you know, he doesn't have the same athleticism when five years ago, of course. But he's still doing – he's still averaging over 25. He just led the league in assists. Like, LeBron is still going to be there for the next years to come. How many years do you think it will be? I think it's two or three. Depending on who they pick up and make additions with, to maybe take the load off. But, like, if AD stays, signs a big five-year max deal, like, Anthony Davis could win the next finals MVP, and LeBron just happens to get five and then his four-time finals MVP. Like, that's how I feel like this season is transitioning. It's like if Davis wants the team to be his, I feel like LeBron will pass it on to keep winning championships. How long do you think the championship window is open for this Lakers team? Uh, I mean, you know, you never know about health, but – you know, should LeBron keep a good track record of clean health? You know, I, I think after this year, he's truly got probably three more years at this at this level where he can still be that guy, um, you know, that one-two punch with AD. But at the same time, do I think that LeBron, you know, could coexist in another big three where you bring in another good young player? to join Davis if, if Davis was to sign a long-year contract, which I think he will, um, and, and LeBron kind of be, you know, that third banana late in his career, you know, I, I think that would extend his window. But we don't know what that looks like. We, we can't predict the future. And so, you know, all I can go off of is what I know now. And if LeBron stays healthy, I think that after this year, he's truly got three more years, you know, at, at, at a chance at more titles. And I don't expect it to be his last one. 
Uh, I never count the guy out. You know, sometimes it's hard to count out those players. And, and the second you do count them out, they prove you wrong, right? Um, and, and so I think that LeBron's window is closing, but it hasn't closed yet. You know, he's still got some time. No, I agree. It's just like that's the best team right now. I think they will continue to be the best team moving into the next year. They just, they just don't seem like they're going to lose much of anything. Of course, like you said, basketball happens, injuries happen, you know. Maybe Giannis does request a trade from the Bucs and goes to Golden State or some insane crazy thing like that. You can't predict the future. But as of right now, I think the Lakers should go into next season as, like, the favors to win. Yeah. You know, LeBron yeah. and AD are just that much more dominant than the other tandems in the league. I feel like the Lakers are on, you know, a lot of one-year contracts. Like, Ron Dwayne's a free agent. KCP's a free agent. Dwight Howard's a free agent. I think development he is. Like, they're going to have a new team, bring a new group of guys to surround LeBron and AD with. Like, as long as they have guys, like, they'll, they'll be right no matter what. But that, that's how LeBron does it. And, and I know he, he's not management and he doesn't make the decisions, but when you get a player of LeBron's stature – he has influential decision-making, you know, opportunities within the organization. And that's what he does. They piece things together. Hey, who can we bring in? Hey, who can we bring in this year? All right. You know, what holes do we need to fill now? And I, like you said, I don't think they're done and they do have a lot of guys on expiring contracts and will they bring them back? You know, will they bring in new guys? That's yet to be seen, but I don't have any doubt in my mind that they'll figure out a way to get it done in the future. Who's going to win finals MVP this year, 2020, and who is your champion? Tell me. All right. I'll, I'll make it short, and I'm going to repeat myself from earlier. But the Lakers, the Lakers will win the finals, I believe, five or six games, call it whatever you want. And the reason they'll win is because it will be impossible for the Heat to counter – the Lakers having the two best players in the series. Head and shoulders, the two best players. No questions asked. Bam, great player, underrated. Jimmy Butler, great player. You could not convince me that Anthony Davis and LeBron James are not the two best players by far. And that reason right there, the Lakers win. As to who will be the finals MVP, whew, that's tough. Because Anthony Davis has had a, a bit more success. He's had a bunch of 35 games, 15, 12, 13 rebounds. But I truly do think, and I wrote this in my notes, that you will see a determined LeBron James like you saw in game five of the Nuggets series. And that LeBron will be enough to win the finals MVP. That was my prediction. I, I agree. Like, I'm right here with the Lakers in six, like I said earlier. You know, I'm, I believe in the Heat team a little more to, like, make it, like, that close. You know, it'll be close games. Like, the Nuggets play close the whole way. Like, they're, Heat aren't going to make it easy, for sure. That's why I think it'll go six. But, like, I think just the size of the Lakers is the difference maker. Like, they just have more size all over the floor when it comes to matchups and everything like that. They, like you said, Two best players are on the Lakers. Like Bam and Bio, yep, all-star caliber player. Jimmy Butler, all-star caliber player. But they are not superstar level generational talent 
LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, <laughs> it's, it's too overwhelming. Uh, it would be – and they've been so good together. And no one – at the start of the year, I remember, how are they going to fit? How are they going to fit together? Are they going to be any good? Can LeBron play with the big? Like, he's never played with – he forces Kevin Love to the outside. He forces Chris Boss to the outside. He's going to change Davis's game. And it's been sensational. That's why that's, – that's the main reason they're going to win. Those two. I agree with you. LeBron is going to come out with a level of dominance of like, I, I honestly think he could average 35 this series, like 35 and eight and eight or like he, he knows at this point it's championships or, or bust. We, we have to win or it's a failure or the season is a failure. This is what we've been working to all year. So that's the reason I think LeBron will also win finals MVP. Because I think moving forward, if LeBron is going to beat Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis will kind of take over the branding to the team moving forward. But this series right now, LeBron is going to go, like I said, he's going to go to take over mode like we've never seen before. Like, he's going to come out for blood and vengeance for people saying, like, he couldn't do it. Like, he feeds off the haters. And you know, for like a championship guy, I think he hears what people say about him, and he just, like, hates it in. And he's just like, all right, time to shut them up. Time to shut everyone up. So that's why I feel like this is the series he's going to do it. And he's just going to go off. It's, gonna, it's, going to be, it's going to be too much for the Heat to overcome. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we talked about how, how much the bubble has benefited. But I, I'll, I'll, go to, I'll go to say a point that I think the bubble has helped – Ron James more individually because there's no travel associated with that. And when you get a guy that's been in the league as long as he has flying all those miles, you know, whether it's to Portland, to Houston, you know, Denver, it didn't matter where they were going to have to go. The, the ability for him to be in the same place week in and week out, that helps the recovery uh, for a guy that's played as much as he has and, and, and plays as many minutes as he has. I mean, he still plays a ton of minutes given how long he's been in the league. And I, I think that the, the bubble has enhanced his ability to play for longer stretches in the playoffs due to not having to travel. And I think that's a, that's a point that not a lot of people are realizing, but travel plays a big role, especially on those guys later in their careers. Oh, that's going to save LeBron's career for at least another two years of, like, four, okay, like four months off in the middle of the season. Like, you know, he was gearing up. It's like, all right, we got to make a playoff run. Like, last month of the season, March, March and April, we got to finish out strong. And then all of a sudden, like, boom, you're done. Like, you don't get to play. And then all of a sudden, he come back healthy. Like, that's why I think he has had a huge – I think all the teams – I don't think this has just been LeBron getting the advantage here. Like, the bubble, no travel is the biggest thing. This series, if, like, they had to drive, fly across country, L.A. to Miami, that's a long flight to have to deal with. Like, that's a long way to go. Like, Miami to Boston, that's a far way to go. Like, the bubble has helped a lot of these teams be able to play prime basketball. And it's helped LeBron just like it's helped everyone else. And it's it's definitely been awesome. Like, I think the bubble, like, all the, like, the NBA seems to be at the forefront of all the leagues. 
when it comes to everything. Like they came up with the bubble idea. They were the first league to kind of announce a plan of what they're going to do and how they're going to do it, how often they're going to test, and like the playoff format. And it's been really great. I think look, the ratings being down, how much of a shock has that been to you? Because I think like the, the games have been great. Like the playoffs, I think, have been fantastic. Like all the games, like it's been fun basketball. Why do you think the ratings are down? And do you think that kind of shows like that people maybe aren't interested in basketball? Because I feel like it's never been better. As a basketball fan, you know, it's, it's surprising to hear that the ratings are down. But at the same time, it's not surprising because given through what we have been through in the past six months with this virus, this pandemic, people losing their jobs, you know, people getting sick, having to be in a hospital. Um, while there's not a lot going on, there's also basketball games happening at the same time throughout the bubble. I mean, when was the last time we had four basketball games all televised on national TV all on the same day? I mean, we had games starting at 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 o'clock on the East Coast, and there was games all day. And it, it, felt, it felt like a, a mini, ma- mini March Madness um, to that point where it was like, oh, next game, oh, next game, oh, next game. And as a basketball fan, you love that. And I think that the engagement from basketball fans in general has increased significantly and they, like you said, they've seen a better quality of basketball due to ha- not having to travel and the, the time off in between games, no, you know, no back-to-backs in the playoffs. You know, they've all had a day of rest in between, if not two days of rest here and there. I know there's been a few games, but I think that for the general population, I think that what's going on in the world right now has shifted some of that focus and people have turned their attention away from sports and they see that th- there are things larger than sports going on in the world. And I think that that might be one of the big reasons why the ratings are down overall. Yeah, but, like, basketball, I think been, like, phenomenal. So, like, I feel like if you're watching, like, there are reasons people aren't watching, for sure. But if you have watched, I think it's been, like, some of the best playoffs. I, I would call it Washington. I guess all the games have been enjoyable. A lot of game sevens, a lot of interesting story, like the whole bubble situation to begin with, I think it was just a perfect storm for the NBA to, like, just, you know, evolve the game even more here. And so, but what I want to talk about next is, you think there are some underrated players in this league? And specifically on these teams, who is underrated that you think, I know you already wanted to talk about it, who is underrated for the Miami Heat? You probably right now. The most underrated player in the NBA, in my opinion, regardless of their run, is Bam Adebayo. You look Most at this guy. Underrated player in the league. You look at this guy when he played at Kentucky for John Calipari a couple years ago. And Calipari even said it. I don't know if it was today or yesterday. But there's not a person in the world that would have thought Bam would be in the position that he's in today. And he has worked so hard on his game. And while I realize that he still – shot is you know really non-existent he does everything else so well he passes he runs he can handle it on the dribble you know he shoots 69 72 percent roughly from the free throw line you know this year I think he's at 69 previous seasons he's been around the low 70s you know not terrible for a big man not terrible you know there's been worse but he's active defensively you know 
he can guard multiple positions. He can knock down the mid-range jumper. You know, he shoots close to 60% from the field. And I think that, you know, had Bam played on one of these big market teams with another superstar, he'd get the credit that he deserves. But at that same time, I don't think he's mad that he hasn't got the credit he deserves. And he kind of likes flying under the radar. And I think that's been beneficial for his game that the spotlight hasn't been on him. But, I mean, damn, man, he's a load. I, I think he's got a bright future. Yeah, he's like, – I can't believe – all this Kentucky players, <laughs> Calipari is like – whatever he preaches to these kids of like, I'm going to get you in the NBA and I'm going to put you in the best situation to like make money. Like he is making generational wealth. Like Bam, I agree, definitely underrated player. I would say top five big, like easily. Like I would say the only guys you could consider better are AD, Jokic, Embiid, and like that's it. And that's even like, yeah, that's even like, who do you actually want to win a championship? And you're like, give, I give take me Bam, Bam before bio. you give me Joel. Give me Bam. Give me Bam before you give me Joel. And I, I'm going to have to agree. He's more of a Swiss Army knife. He can do a little more of, like, everything. Like, Embiid can't even walk and chew gum at the same time. Whereas Bam, he does it all. Pick and roll, it was like it was the difference maker in the Celtics series. It was the di – he was the difference. And he's shown me for sure all-star, but, like, with – like I said with Calipari, like, think about all the Kentucky players who went off in the bubble. Anthony Davis, obviously the biggest one. Bam Anabayu, like you said, went to Kentucky. You know, Jamal Murray went to Kentucky. <laughs> Devin Booker went to Kentucky. Ernest Cantor went to Kentucky. Like, do, does what – I just want to get your thoughts real quick. What, what does Calipari, like – how does he do it? How does he, like, have so many guys who are, like, awesome – Tyler Hero, too. I don't even – I can't forget him either. He went to Kentucky. Like, just so many guys who are, like, nothing. They're nothing like they're nothing at Kentucky. And then they go into the league and they're like household names now. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you the secret sauce. Okay. No one's talked about this. But Pat Riley, former Kentucky player, with Adolph Rupp, for those bluegrass, those, you know, those hardworking players that Calipari develops. Like you said, Calipari, I'll get you in the league. We'll get you successful. You know, we'll find that perfect fit. What's not to say that Calipari and Pat Riley don't got a little thing going on? You know, they, they, they found Bam, a little blue chipper, and now you know, they found a little something in Tyler Hero. Uh, you know, there might be a little wildcat connection going on there, Luke. It could be possible. Like, that's, honestly, I never even thought about it. It's just like Pat Riley is just like, hey, asking Cal, like, what do you think? And he's just like, hey, you know, they're dogs. Like, they'll, they'll work hard. <laughs> And that's the heat system right there. But I just think it's crazy how we have that many guys just be that. Like, Coach K's not producing that. Roy Williams isn't producing that. It's just interesting how one coach has been able to do it with guys who are succeeding. Like, the reason we're even talking about it, Anthony Davis is one of the best players in the league. And, like, he went to Kentucky for a year, won the national championship. I think he's been the best player of the Calipari era. And like, the rest of the guys did that. And that's just like another guy. It's just like I can't believe how many players just like went to this school. Yeah, no, I mean I'll tell you what, I I think regardless of how it turns out, 
I think it'll be a great series nonetheless. And, you know, I'm just excited that we were able to get together and, and do this before the finals began. And, you know, I, I, I appreciate you inviting me on and, you know, I, I can't wait to see the battle. I, I truly think it'll be a battle. Miami is going to be hard to blow out. You know, I, I think there'll be a lot of close games, but, uh, you know, I'm excited for, for the best to come. So we'll see what happens. I, I'm ready to you. Like, I, I could not be more excited. Like, this is just – like, when have we ever had playoff basketball end of, end of September into October? Like, this is when it's supposed to be, like, they're warming up to play. No, this is, like, peak basketball when they're supposed to be just warming up, getting ready for a season. It's never been seen before. So, I think that's cool. But, yeah, it is great talking to you. I'm so glad we're going to talk about it before the finals. Yeah. Now, I, I, like, I like validation. Like, the things I say, I like to be right. You know, of course. Like, with everything. But, yeah, it was great catching up, man. You know, always a privilege to talk basketball with you. Yeah, those were those were some of my uh, favorite days uh, down in the halls of Menlo. You walk in the office late morning and we get to chop it up about the previous night's action and Brownfield had to sit through all the basketball talk and yada, yada, yada. And no, I miss those times, man. And it was great to catch up and uh, have a little playoff NBA Finals chatter with you. So I appreciate it, Luke. Yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. Really appreciate it. Always good talking basketball with you. So we're going to have to catch up after for sure. Break it down once the series is finally over. All right, man. We'll take care. And uh, can't, can't wait to talk post-finals, hopefully.